With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw. Steps up. Floats a bomb up the right seam. Looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Fell into the middle of that line. And it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. Pass thrown. There was contact with a quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, coming to you courtesy of CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network, which has 24-7 live coverage of sports and costs you absolutely nothing, 100% free at all times, loaded with the things that I always look for in sports coverage, highlights, breaking news, fantasy advice, gambling picks, although I don't know that they're going to be as good as my brother Craig's, but still useful, and quality analysis. All those things are first rate on the CBS Sports HQ, and they're not something that you get very often from a lot of these big-time sports personalities, <laughs> Skip Bayless. And the best part is, not only is it completely free, 24-7, it doesn't even require a subscription or a login. You just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, and any other connected device at any time to watch CBS Sports HQ. No fake debates, just sports for real sports fans, just like you get here on Play Like a Jet, at the great price of absolutely nothing. You don't even have to log in or sign up for anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And this is going to be a very interesting show because this is the trade deadline report. And with me to break this all down is the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, I can't remember a trade deadline that was filled with so much speculation revolving around the Jets. Maybe my memory is Swiss cheesed like Dr. Sam Beckett in Quantum Leap. Look that up. It was a great show, kids. I don't remember anything even approaching this level of craziness involving the Jets at the trade deadline. No, that's because there hasn't been anything like this. <laughs> uh, that's and that's not even just about the Jets. That's this is a new thing in the NFL, really. the The trade deadlining having this much, um, you know, this. I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, there was just a." the one move that happened today at the deadline, but there was a whole bunch of trades that went down in the last couple of weeks, just like even three or four years ago, there, there weren't trades in season like this. There weren't NFL teams were extremely hesitant to do that. Uh, You know, at baseball, there's always a a huge market for like a month before the deadline. There's what team's going to be buyers or sellers. And even a month before that, they're like, okay, well, you got to see what happens in this month. If they win a bunch of games, then they might be buyers. If they lose, they might be sellers. That that happens in other sports. This is new to the NFL where there's, there is this type of activity and this type of movement during the season. And this time, 
it made all the sense in the world at, for the Jets to start listening because of where they are in their development, how how desperately they need to upgrade this roster, how few avenues they have to go through it. And uh, as little talent as there are on this roster, there was a, a couple of handful of players that would have interest if they were available to everybody else. So it was just one of those things. It, it, it's definitely something new for the Jets. But again, this is this is new for the NFL. This is still a relatively new thing where where people pay this much attention to the trade deadline. This definitely felt more like a baseball or a basketball trade deadline than a football trade deadline. To the best of my knowledge, Chris, there were four players that the Jets got calls about. Those four players were Marcus May, Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson and Jamal Adams. Am I missing anybody? No, that's 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 all I've heard about at least those four guys. Um, and yeah, like you said, you you uh, phrased that correctly about that the Jets got calls about because that's what this was for most of them. They weren't uh, they weren't sitting here actively shopping them. And uh, you know, I know obviously Joe Douglas had his. Uh, had the press conference with us today and talked and it was, you know, listen, I, I, this isn't anything against him, but I listened to him talk for 20 minutes and he said everything every other GM has said over the last 10 years. But uh, I, I do believe him in this situation that that's what happened. Number one, if they were really shopping people, I think they would have pulled the trigger on just and traded them Um, on just everything else. I heard it was people we're looking people thought that the jets might be more interested trying to sell off uh, the pieces that they had. So they were checking in and Joe Douglas was willing to listen. And I always think it's smart to listen. Chris, before we get into these players and we'll break them down one by one, you just mentioned Joe Douglas and him talking for 20 minutes. And you said, he said what every other GM has said, was there anything worthwhile in that presser? No, <laughs> <laughs> Not a thing. And this, again, this isn't about Joe Douglas. This is about these goddamn GM uh, pressers. I hate them. They're the most pointless things in the world. Uh, they just come out and they say generic platitudes. And, you know, uh, it, it's all about how how hard these guys work and how we don't see how hard these guys work and the, the work, the, the effort that they put in and how bad. And I believe him. And I know I know. I have a good feeling about the players in this locker room and what they are and how hard they work. And so I believe him, but this is also the same stuff every GM ever says. And I've been listening to it for 10 years from different GMs. It's the same words followed by the same losing. So at a certain point, it just, it just sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher to me. <laughs> it's just want, want, want. It's all the same stuff. And again, this isn't a knock on Joe Douglas because he shouldn't really say anything else. You know, if it was me, I'd just be, I'd come in and be like, hey, this is going to be a long process. Uh, everything is up for evaluation every single week. But I get why other people wouldn't do that. So I'm not knocking him. It's just, I, I and I feel uh, this has to play into fans frustrations and I understand the fans frustrations because it, you hear the same thing over and over again and well you said the same thing the last guy said who said the same thing the last guy said who said the same thing the last guy said and they haven't been to the playoffs in 10 years so why should we believe you are any different than the last three guys it's a good question and Joe Douglas took his first stab at trying to prove his worth here at this trade deadline because he's made some depth moves but this was his first chance to really dig in and trade players worthwhile. You heard Brian Bassett, Travis Milton and Josh Conrad talk about the Leonard Williams trade and we'll talk more about that with Manish tomorrow. If you're wondering why on Wednesday we don't have Manish, he's going to be doing tomorrow. We flipped some things around because the very big deal was willing to come on and give his very big deal takes and when the very big deal says that he's available, you make yourself available for the very big deal. That's just the way these things go, right Chris? That's absolutely. I, I mean, uh, apologies, Manish, but if I'm coming on, you got to get bumped. <laughs> That's how it works. So let's start with the least surprising of the players that were talked about today, and that's Robbie Anderson. From what the public reports were, it sounds like 
There were a couple of teams that called, but the best offer the Jets got was a fourth rounder, and they decided not to do it. Is that more or less what you heard? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I heard. There was, I know there was a couple of teams that were interested. Um, I, that I had heard and was told that the Jets were seeking a second. They would have settled for, you know, the Emmanuel Sanders, Leonard Williams type of deal where they got like a third and a fifth. They might have even settled for just a third, but nobody was willing to go beyond a fourth. And they just basically said, yeah, that's not worth it for us. A fourth round pick. And it was a lot of what I said uh, last time we talked about this, where I said if they trade Robbie, I would crush them. Um, It's because of what that would be taking away from San Darnold for this year. Uh, if you're getting a first or a second back, then you might be willing to sacrifice the next eight games of uh, – sacrifice a little bit of uh, development over the next eight games of Sam Darnold. For fourth-round pick, that doesn't make sense. Now, if they were going to trade everybody else, then maybe, but it just didn't make sense for them to do it. So they stood pat, and they talked to Robbie, and, and Robbie, Robbie – wanted to be here he still wants to be here so i don't think there'll be any issues there but yeah that's they were looking for a second they didn't get anything close to that and the fourth that wasn't going to be enough as i was saying with you on the trade deadline preview show i think if they had been offered a second i probably would have taken it if they've been offered something similar to what they got for leonard williams a third and a fifth that could become a fourth or a third and a fourth i would have thought long and hard about it for a third, I probably wouldn't have done it unless it was a high third that maybe you could have twisted my arm, although I still probably wouldn't have done it. But for a fourth rounder, especially from teams that are calling that are good teams that are going to be offering you picks in the fourth round, they're going to be late in the round. There's just no way that I'm willing to take away one of Sam Darnold's weapons. You're better off either trying to sign him or letting him walk. It's not worth that pick, which most likely is going to be used to draft a special teamer or a guy who's a part-time player. Yeah, there's a chance that you could hit on that and get a really good player and a really good starter, but the odds are very small compared to the damage you could potentially do to Sam Darnold's development by moving Robbie Anderson for the last nine games of the season. So we're in agreement on that, Chris. I think the Jets did the right thing here. They just weren't offered enough, so they held on to Robbie Anderson, and he will continue with Sam Darnold for the next nine games. And we'll see what happens, because if you look at the numbers, and Michael Nanny has broken this down before, the numbers between Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson when they've played together since that stretch that Sam Darnold had at the end of last season have been really, really good. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to stay at that level, but it shows you that they have a pretty solid connection. So to break that up for what would have been a late fourth-round pick just doesn't seem like a wise move. And now Robbie Anderson will try and earn himself a long-term extension or a big contract somewhere else, and we'll see how that turns out. We heard other names too, Chris, and I want to talk about them because one of them I definitely never would have been on at mybookie.ag, and if I would have, I would have made a lot of money because it was a big surprise. You're not going to be able to bet on anything involving the trade deadline anymore, but you can bet on all of the games this coming Sunday, including the Jets game against the Miami Dolphins. Plus, you can bet on all the traditional prop bets too. Who's going to throw more touchdown passes, Sam Darnold or Ryan Fitzpatrick? With the Jets secondary, I might honestly consider betting on Fitzpatrick. I know it sounds crazy. Will anybody in the game have 100 yards receiving? Is Adam Gase going to say something snarky during the postgame press conference? I'm betting yes on that one. Bet on all these props and all the games and anything else you want to at mybookie.ag right now. And when you sign up using the promo code OVERTIME, they will match your first deposit. That's right. They are going to double your first deposit when you use the promo code OVERTIME. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, and you get paid. And if you're going to watch the Jets and the Dolphins, you may decide that you want to do it in person because, let's be honest, it's starting to get cold around here, and it's really nice in Miami this time of year. You'll probably get super cheap tickets to go to the game, too, because, let's be honest, the Jets and the Dolphins, not so great right now. So if you do decide to make the trip and you want to get yourself some tickets, don't settle for upper deck seats, especially since with this game you could probably get really nice seats for an extremely cheap price based on the win-loss records of the two teams. The best place to do this is with the Vivid Seats mobile app. Download it now and enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout and you will get up to 100 bucks off your very first purchase. 
You could use it for this Jets Dolphins game if you decide to make the trip. Or if you don't want to make the trip, you can do it for something else. You can do it for a concert coming to town. You can do it for a special event. You can do it for a wrestling show, another sporting event like a basketball game or a hockey game. Anything your heart desires. Download the Vivid Seats mobile app right now. Use the promo code OVERTIME and you'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. And Chris... The other names that we heard will start with one of the safeties, and that's Marcus May. You heard Manish Mehta talk about this on the podcast the last two weeks, where he said that Adam Gase wanted to trade Marcus May when he first came in because May is hurt a lot and he's an older player. He's since been won over as far as Marcus May's value when he's healthy. He believes that Marcus May is a good player. I think everybody can see that when he's on the field, he makes plays, but he's 27 He's going to be entering his contract year. He is hurt a lot, so it does make sense that if the Jets are looking to rebuild and load up on picks, they would at the very least listen to offers. I didn't hear anything specific about what the Jets were offered, but I'm going to assume that it wasn't anything great because it doesn't sound like anything ever got close with him. Yeah, people, from what I've been told, people picked up the phone uh, to, to inquire about him. You know, especially with all the other hoopla going on, they might have said, hey, maybe we can give a call and see if we can get Marcus May cheap here. Uh, and I I don't have anything about, you know, whether it was a fourth, a third, fifth. I don't have details on what was offered. But what I was, I was told was that nothing that was offered ever came close to getting them to seriously consider it. Um, I, I don't. I didn't have any of that the information that Manish had that said uh, Gase wanted to move on from right away. I'm not doubting it. Uh, I didn't have that. I do know that the the coaching staff has really liked what they've seen from Marcus so far, but that doesn't mean that they wouldn't be willing to trade them for the right price. It's just, you know, it, I, if this is one of those things. The Jets have so many needs, and they need draft picks, but – What's what's one fifth round pick going to do? It's not going to do much. So they they sat there and you know they just determined what the offer was was for him wasn't enough to move him and they were just going to keep him and move forward. Given his age and his injury history, I probably would have been willing to deal him for a third. You might have been able to twist my arm for a fourth, but even that I would have had to sit there and think long and hard. Anything worse than that, there's no way. I'm not trading Marcus May for a fifth, a sixth, or a seventh, or anything like that. Because at that point, you're just trading him to trade him, and why do that? You do still have him for another year and a half on a cheap rookie deal. Worst case, you hold on to him. He continues to play well, and then if you're really intent on shopping him, you could do it in the offseason, or even at some point next season. I just don't see the value in trading him if all you're going to get is a late-round pick. Le'Veon Bell's another one, and this was a surprise This is interesting, Chris, because if you think about it, if you're a contending team, Le'Veon Bell is 27 years old, he's had a year off for his body to heal, and he's somebody that could really make a difference for a contender, especially a team that may have lost a running back. The other interesting thing about him is that if you look at the way his contract works, the rest of his deal this year amounts to only about $4 million, so he would be super cheap for the rest of 2019. In 2020, it would have been a guaranteed $15 million, but then after that, the cap hit would have been negligible and you could have moved on at any time. So essentially, you would have been getting him for a year and a half, $4 million for the rest of this year, $15 million for the year after. And then after that, it was basically a year-to-year option that you could move on from at any time, which is a great deal for a team that may be ready to win now and might have to come up against the cap in two years or so. And at that point, you could either try to renegotiate or get rid of them. So this made a lot of sense for a team like the Chiefs or a team like the Eagles. But when it came down to it, it sounds like the Jets basically told teams, eh, we're willing to listen, but unless you're willing to give us some crazy haul, we're not moving them. In fact, there was a reporter for the Chiefs who said that they inquired, and the response that he got when he asked his Chiefs source is nah so it sounds like the Jets basically shot for the moon you had a really good analogy here Chris and I'm gonna let you get to that but I think the best way that I would put it is if I had a really awesome collection of baseball cards or stamps or whatever it is people collect bottle caps and I love that collection I'm not looking to sell it but some guy comes along and says I'll give you a million dollars for that collection okay maybe I'll sell it now but barring something crazy like that that collection is not leaving my possession 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you, you hear this all the time about us, is a player untouchable? Is he untradeable? Uh, all this stuff. N- nobody's untouchable. I mean, even like the Chiefs aren't trading Patrick Mahomes. That That is a factual correct statement. But is he untouchable? If a team offers them like 50 straight first round picks, <laughs> would the Chiefs not consider that? I don't know. I mean, come on. There's always going to be an offer that you might uh, consider. And this is when it comes to any of these players that are talked about, it's just, you know, I'm not selling my car. I got a 2015 Subaru WRX. I'm not selling it. But if somebody offers me a million dollars for it, go ahead and take that car. Like, so that's exactly what it was. Uh, if I'm walking down, the, if I'm driving and somebody pulls up to me and says, hey, you interested in selling that car? I'm not just going to say no. I'm going to be like, well, how much you offering? And when they tell me they're offering me $5,000, I'm going to laugh at them. If they tell me they're offering me $5 million, I'm going to quietly laugh at them to myself why I collect that $5 million. <laughs> like, so, and, and Joe Douglas talked about it. He said, I, I'm not sure what exactly what he meant by this. Where he said, where I grew up, where I come from, you, you, you listen. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I don't know if that's specific to where you grew up or where you came from, but it is smart and it is what you should do. You should always listen. There's no reason to just hang up before hearing. Somebody might blow you away. And that, that's what it comes to with all this. And with the Le'Veon stuff, it seemed to come that quickly. People called to check in and, you know, and they were quickly like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to happen. And from what I heard, a bunch of the uh, other teams were basically saying, yeah, the Jets aren't getting rid of any of these guys. Like, they're listening, but nothing's going to happen with these guys because they're asking for way too much with all of them. And that's what they did with Le'Veon Bell, too. Uh, you know, and, and the – the further complicating things is we talked all off season about how important it was to get Le'Veon Bell to help with Sam Darnold and his development, but the offensive line has been so bad mm-hmm. that he hasn't been able to help. They can't even throw checkdowns to him because they they can't Darnold can't get hold on to the ball long enough to get him the checkdowns. Um, so I could have understood doing it. But they sat there and they were just like, sure, we'll trade them if you're going to give us enough. And nobody came close to giving them enough. What I said on Twitter, too, is that while I wouldn't trade him and that I think that he still got a lot left, I would understand if the Jets did it for the right deal given the circumstances. And I think a lot of people took that to mean Adam Gase not using him properly. That's not really what I meant. What I meant is that the Jets are further away than we thought. We thought that they might have a chance to compete for a playoff spot if everything went right this season, that they could be in that 7-9 and nine to 9-7 and seven range. Clearly, this roster is much further away. They've got to completely rebuild the offensive line. They probably need two new starters at corner. They need an edge rusher. They need more help at wide receiver. It's a mess, a much bigger mess than many of us realize. So what I meant was... Le'Veon Bell's not going to do you much good behind this bad offensive line like you just said, Chris. It's going to take a while to build this back up. And by the time you're in any position to do anything, Le'Veon Bell's going to be 29 years old. He might do a contender much more good. And so if the price was right, I understand why they would do it, even though I probably wouldn't unless somebody blew me away. Ultimately, it sounds like the Jets kind of had my mentality. Somebody was going to have to blow them away, and nobody did. So Le'Veon Bell sticks around, and I'm glad to have him. And unlike other guys that we're going to get to in a second, I bet you that Le'Veon Bell doesn't bat an eye, and when he's asked about it, he gives all the right answers, smiles, and just goes about his business. Yeah, he's. It, this isn't going to be a problem with him at all. He's uh, just like when the um, news came out about Gase not wanting him in the first place, and he was just like, hey, this is the NFL. I, I don't really care if it's true or not. I'm going to show up and I'm going to work and I'm going to bust my ass to, to do what I do. And that's going to be the same thing here. He's going to sit here and say, I don't care how close they were to trading me. If they wanted to trade me, do it for, we're only going to trade me for the moon. Uh, he's going to continue to show up and he's going to continue to work. Um, unfortunately, as hard as he's working and as good as he – as, as talented as he still is, 
there's not a lot there. And I, you know, you know how I feel about Gase. I'm not in the habit of trying to defend him. But this idea that he's wildly misusing Le'Veon Bell seems a little misguided. It's just that offensive line can't do anything for mm-hmm. him. We, we're talking about the offensive line mostly in relation to the pass blocking, but they've been just as bad at run blocking, if not worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't open up anything for him. I don't I, – I, there are things that I see that I look at when Adam Gase is running when in relation to Sam Darnold where I'm like, you can do stuff differently. I The only thing with Le'Veon Bell is – I'd line him out wide and in slot and out wide more. Uh, I'd try to get him involved more in the passing game, not just on checkdowns, but actually running routes downfield, especially because of uh, how uh, shallow their receiver core is. But as far as the running game, I don't know what more you could really expect Adam Gase to do with Le'Veon Bell in this running game with this offensive line in the shape it's in. I've used this stat a couple of times, but it bears repeating. And as much as I rag on PFF for their grades, when they come out with stats like this, they are actually very interesting and useful. Le'Veon Bell has gotten 93% of his yards after contact. 93%. So that tells you that this offensive line is absolutely crippling him. He's running into brick walls on just about every play and still a lot of times making things happen all by himself. But there's a limit to how useful he can be when you're talking about being in an offense where he's running into walls like that all the time. So yeah, I agree. I think that they should try to use him lined up on the outside and try and use him in the passing game more than just on checkdowns because what they're doing with him otherwise isn't working to maximum capacity. They are very thin at wide receiver, so they might as well try something. But I do think that Gase is stubborn in a lot of ways, but I don't think that this is completely on him. Like you said, there's not much that Le'Veon Bell can do behind that offensive line, and that is something that Joe Douglas is going to have to work very, very hard to fix, and I'm sure that he's well aware of that. He knows he needs at least four new starters. We'll see if it's five because even Alex Lewis, who's played pretty well this year, is a free agent at the end of the season, so who knows exactly what's going to happen there. Who knows if Chuma Adoga turns out to be a starter. There are a lot of questions to be answered, but if he can get that offensive line much improved next year, we will see a much different Le'Veon Bell. I have no question about it. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Now, let's get to the big story here, Chris couple of hours before the trade deadline ended. I believe Rich Semini was the first one that had this, but there were a bunch of people that started talking about it. Whispers that Jamal Adams could be available. Now, this doesn't mean that he was being shopped. It means that teams realized the Jets were in sell mode and they started calling. So we kept getting reports that if the Jets were going to trade him, it was going to have to be huge. And we later heard that what the Jets were asking for was more than what the Dolphins got for Minka Fitzpatrick, and it damn well should be because Jamal Adams is a much better player. I like Minka Fitzpatrick, but come on. And it was in the neighborhood, but slightly less than what the Jaguars got for Jalen Ramsey. There's a lot to unpack here as this deal did not happen, but a lot of this stuff leaked out. And then Jamal Adams got involved by talking about it publicly, and we're going to get to that. But let's start with this. I'm going to say something that a lot of Jets fans are not going to like, but I'm going to say it anyway. If the Jets could have gotten anything close to that Jalen Ramsey package for Jamal Adams, they should have traded him and not thought twice about it. I love Jamal Adams. He's a great player. He's a lot of fun to watch. But when it comes right down to it, this is a team that is desperate for valuable draft picks 
picks in the first couple of rounds, specifically first, second, third, fourth, if they could have gotten two ones and maybe a four or a five that could become a four or maybe two ones and a four and they send back a sixth, whatever it is, for a guy that as great as he is, is just not going to make that big of an impact on a team that needs that much help, they had to do it because you could have taken those picks and use them to start to completely rebuild the important positions on the core of this team. And I'm going to get into a historical parallel that I would have seen here if they would have done this move. But the reality is Jamal Adams going to say a team like Houston or Dallas or whatever team it was that could have used them. We heard that Dallas wasn't the only team involved. Apparently there was another team that called and was trying to get in on this. He's a player that, for as great as he is, if you put him on a team that has a lot of great defensive talent, he could be that player that brings that defense up to that next level and now is the difference between a team that's just in the hunt to a team that is over the top and a real, honest-to-goodness Super Bowl contender. That's if you're putting him on a team that's already loaded. If he's on a team like the Jets, I hate to say it, but with the position he plays, there's only so much he can do. He's a great player, but this team has needs at so many premium positions. On the offensive line, at cornerback, at edge rusher, at wide receiver. You could go on and on down the list. This is a team that desperately needs help. So if they could have gotten a lot of valuable draft picks to move Jamal Adams... It would have been the smart move. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, the only slight disagreement I have with you is I would have uh, t- accepted a e- even lesser deal than you would have. I'm not going to get into exactly what uh, what how less of a deal as I would have taken because he didn't get traded and there's no need to uh, upset that contingency of fans even more. But and and I am somebody I've said this many times. I am extremely biased towards cornerbacks and safeties. That is where my bias lies. That's those are my favorite players to watch, um, and I do. I'm not somebody who thinks that safeties have no value like anybody else. I think they they are more valuable than a lot of people look at them as. But with all the holes that this team has at at more important positions, and you know Jamal, as great as he is at times. He has some inconsistencies, and I think some of that inconsistency is what you were just talking about. It's kind of like Sam Darnold, where Sam Darnold struggles when he's trying to do too much. I think some of Jamal's inconsistencies are him trying to do too much Mm -hmm. because he feels he needs to make a play because the offense isn't doing anything, and there's so many. So uh, that could be part of it too, and where if he went to a team like the Cowboys or – Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens were the other team I was told was in on him. Mm-hmm. Um, then maybe he'd be, he wouldn't feel as much of a need, uh, and maybe he wouldn't be as so inconsistent. But if you could take, you could shop him, flip him, and get a, a couple picks, and then you can know, okay, I'm going to take an, an offensive lineman with this pick right here. You know, because obviously that they would have still had their first round pick. They could have gone whichever direction they wanted. If, like, say they're in a position to draft Chase Young, then they could just take Chase Young. They could get that edge rusher, and then they could know at towards the back of the first round they'll be able to get the best offensive lineman on board. I just think that would be more valuable. And listen, Jamal, for everything that great that he does here. They have not done a lot of winning with him. That's not his fault. Um, but by the time this team's ready to win, is going to be right around when they're going to be ready to have to pay him a new contract. Mm-hmm. And then you have to invest big money in him. Mm-hmm. And I, you could have addressed these other positions elsewhere. And also, it's clear Jamal isn't Jamal's getting sick and tired of all this losing and mm-hmm. I don't blame him. So I don't know how happy he's going to be. I don't know how happy he already is because that's the other thing. Like today's Tuesday, the trade deadline. I had heard yesterday that he had okayed a trade. Like mm-hmm. he was, uh, he was all right with being traded. And then today you start hearing about how he, he wanted to be traded. Now he came out and he, said that that's not the case and said Joe Douglas went behind his back. It's a whole nother mess, but I, I put that on Jamal. Jamal's 
a little too extremely online. Um, <laughs> and like he is that that is Jamal. Jamal is extremely online, and it is what it is. But it, it's you know that's going to attract more attention. That's going to create more drama. And if he's not happy. I, him staying, he's not going to get happier over the course of this season. Um, so, I, you know, you give me a, 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 dec- a good offer, anything close to that Jalen Ramsey deal, and I'm taking it with no hesitation. We're going to get back to what you were just talking about with Jamal and what he said and then the situation with him supposedly asking for a trade because I heard some stuff on that as well. But I wanted to talk about a historical comparison here with the Jets because what this really reminded me of, if it had gone through, is I remember back in 2000 before the draft, out of nowhere, we heard that the Jets might be trading Keyshawn Johnson. I was stunned. I didn't think there was any way it was true. And then it actually happened, and I was gobsmacked. I was so upset. I thought this is a guy that's going to be a key piece for this team. They have this great passing offense with Keyshawn Johnson and Wayne Corbett and Vinny's going to come back and they're going to have this great year and they're going to go to the Super Bowl the way that they should have in 1999 and then they go ahead and they trade this Pro Bowl wide receiver to Tampa Bay for two first round picks, which now that you think about it was a great deal for the Jets because they got two first-round picks for a player who, as good as he was, was never an elite wide receiver. He was a very good one. He was a Pro Bowl player, not an All-Pro player. And what people forget is that he came into the league when he was 24 years old because he was a JUCO transfer. So he was 27 by the time the Jets traded him to Tampa Bay. But at the time, I was emotional. I was a teenager. This was my guy. I was really upset. What did the Jets do with those picks? Well, they got the 13th and 27th pick in the draft. The 27th pick they used on Anthony Beck. Can't win them all, Chris. Can't win them all. The 13th pick they used on John Abraham, a pass rusher out of South Carolina. And I'm going to get back to him in a second. This happened to be a historically great draft for the Jets, though, because... They also had two other first-round picks. Now, originally, they had the 16th pick that they had gotten from the New England Patriots for letting Bill Belichick go there after he resigned as HC of the NYJ on a napkin. At the time, I laughed and thought, how could anybody give up a first-round pick for Bill Belichick? Well, guess who's laughing now? Anyway, (laughs) the Jets took the 16th pick. They took their second rounder, traded up four spots to number 12. They got Sean Ellis. So they got Sean Ellis, John Abraham, and then with the 18th pick, they drafted their quarterback of the future, Chad Pennington. With their third round pick, they got a wide receiver out of Florida State who was considered a character problem because he had been kicked out of school, and that was Lavernius Coles. So in one draft, the Jets were able to get Sean Ellis, John Abraham, Chad Pennington, and Lavernius Coles. That is a franchise-changing draft, and in fact... It set the table for what would come over the next couple of years, which would be a whole bunch of playoff appearances. And then to continue on with what I'm talking about with getting John Abraham in that deal, obviously, unfortunately, Anthony Beck was a bit of a sunk cost. Five years later, John Abraham, who is a dominant pass rusher but had been hurt quite a bit, and the Jets decided they didn't want to pay him, they franchise tagged him and traded him to the Atlanta Falcons for the 29th pick in the draft. With the 29th pick in that draft, they took Nick Mangold, who I think we all know turned out to be pretty good. So in other words, what I'm telling you is the Jets took Keyshawn Johnson and flipped him for what would turn out to be between 15 to 20 years of excellence. I'm not saying that that's what was definitely going to happen, but what I am saying is if you have somebody making these picks that really knows what they're doing and they have faith in their own abilities, you can remake your franchise fairly quickly. Let's take a look at that draft again in 2000. You got your quarterback. You got two key pieces on that defense, an edge rusher and an interior lineman who are both outstanding. And you ended up getting yourself a borderline number one receiver, maybe more of a number two, but still an excellent receiver who ended up being here for a long time, even though they traded him the, the Redskins and then he came back. But still, he was a Jet for a long time, much beloved and produced at a very high rate. So it's definitely possible. And then another example of how you can remake your franchise in one draft is what the Colts did after they made that Sam Darnold trade. They took the first three picks that they got from the Jets because the next one would come the following year. They used them on Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, and Braden Smith. Braden Smith became a pretty good starting right tackle. Quentin Nelson became an all-pro guard. And Darius Leonard became an all-pro inside linebacker. So what I'm saying is if you have the right general manager and the right decision maker making these picks, 
you can improve in a real hurry if you have a lot of valuable picks. And so that's probably what Joe Douglas was thinking when he was listening to offers for Jamal Adams. Now I want to get into the rest of this stuff involving Adams and the mess that ensued. But first, Chris, what did you hear about how close this got? Was this ever even reasonably close to happening? Because a lot of the national media made it sound like it was getting pretty close. Yeah, I, this got closer than uh, it got closer than Le'Veon uh, for sure. Um, it, it, I'd even say it got closer than Robbie, but that's more of the, there was more interest to come closer to the Jets asking price. But I still don't think it, it, it ever really got close. Um, again, my what I was told approaching the deadline. I think it was about an hour and a half before the deadline. If I if my time right line is right here, it was either about an hour, hour and a half. There was just like, yeah, the feeling is that none of these teams think the Jets are actually going to trade any of these guys. Um, but uh, Jamal was close. I know the the Cowboys knew that they were going to have to give up a first. Uh, how much more they were willing to give up, I haven't been able to pin down. Uh, but it, it got it got close enough, but to like okay, there was it, it, there was something there. It, it it was it was actually discussed and being considered, but it wasn't close enough, obviously, for the uh, Jets to to put, to go ahead and do the deal. And you know everything you just laid out is exactly right. And the the John Abraham and Anthony Beck part is exactly it when it comes to trading for these picks. Because if you're going to hit on all your picks like John Abraham and then the Nick Mangold, then then trade for all the picks. But if you're going to miss on them like Anthony Beck, then keep them. You might as well keep them. Uh, you look at like remember when the the Rams made the trade with Washington, so Washington could take uh, RG three. And then they went and drafted a whole bunch of not very good players with those picks. Mm -hmm. And then you flip that with what you just talked about with the Colts and what they did. And, um, obviously, new GM, he's feeling himself. He thinks he, he trusts himself. He's going to want those picks. But, you know, that's one of those things like you can't judge a trade that involves draft picks until we really see who's picked. Um so this is one of those things, but with Jamal, it was it was close enough that it was that it was real and under consideration, but it wasn't anything that was that they weren't sitting there like you know drawing up the paperwork and stuff on this. It wasn't like they were getting ready to send it over. They, from what I was told, they still were far enough apart after just the idea of a first round pick. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. What this would have done if the Jets would have made the deal is it would have made Joe Douglas, if not the most important person in the Jets organization, perhaps that would be Sam Darnold right there because it would have all risen and fallen based on what Joe Douglas did in the draft. So you look at a guy like Chris Ballard, if he becomes the next Chris Ballard, then the Jets are in great hands and they're going to rebuild this thing quickly and it could be 2000 all over again. Or if you look at what Eric Mangini did when he was here with Mike Tannenbaum in 2006, they used the two first round picks they had under Brickshaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold. That helped to completely transform their offensive line over the next three years. And then the following year, they traded up for Darrell Revis and they traded up in the second round for David Harris. So within the course of two drafts, they got four Ring of Honor players. If you're able to do that, then this franchise is going to be going in the right direction. If you're not, if you're another Mike McCagnin, then the Jets are screwed. But in reality, if he's another Mike McCagnin, the Jets are going to be screwed anyway. So you might as well go all in, especially if you're of the belief that Joe Douglas knows what he's doing. And obviously, we know what his reputation is, but he's going to have to prove it now because this will be the first time that he's in the GM seat. Now, Chris, I want to get to the other part of this. 
What I said on Twitter was, if this thing doesn't happen, this is going to be a real bad look for the Jets. Because you and I both heard the same thing. I heard from a couple of people who are fairly plugged into league circles that Jamal Adams' agent approached the Jets. It wasn't entirely clear if his agent specifically asked for a trade or if he just said, hey, if you want to trade him, we'd be cool with that. Either way, that's sort of a soft ask. If the agent is going to the GM and saying, look, he'd be cool with a trade, he's more or less telling you that he wants a trade. He's just not demanding it. So I have no way of knowing for certain that that's true. But if you heard that, Chris, and I heard that, obviously a bunch of people were hearing it. And so it was something that didn't appear out of thin air. There was at least something to it. There was at least some smoke, maybe not fire, but at least smoke. What I was saying is, if you're going to let it get out that Jamal Adams could potentially be traded, not that you're necessarily shopping him, but that you're even listening to offers or that it's progressing to any point, you better know that you're going to get this deal done because the way this fan base is attached to Jamal Adams is something that I haven't seen with any other player on the Jets in a really long time. In fact, Chris, I was telling you before we started recording, I honestly can't think of a player on Jamal Adams' level that this fan base has been viscerally attached to like this. Wayne Corbett is a guy that everybody loved, but obviously Wayne Corbett was not the type of player that Jamal Adams was. Darrell Revis wasn't universally loved because of the perception that he was a mercenary, so there was a section of the fan base that really didn't like him. Jamal Adams is somebody that people are really, really attached to, to the point where, and I've told this story before, I was in Philly at the game as the Jets are getting killed. They were down by three touchdowns late in the third quarter. Jamal Adams had a pass breakup. All I tweeted out was after he celebrated like they just won the Super Bowl, love Jamal Adams, great player, happy to have him, not the biggest deal in the world. But not sure that I need him celebrating a pass breakup like that when the team is down three touchdowns late in the third quarter. I got ratio to the ends of the earth. And Chris, a bunch of people did what you and I hate so, so much. They snitch tagged. I hate that so much. They tagged Jamal Adams on their response. This is the problem with this fan base. We finally get a great player and you're looking to chase him out of town. And he's never going to stay here with that attitude. Like they have the white knight for this guy. It's really strange. I don't understand it. But there is a huge portion of the fan base that is like that. I would like to think that Jamal Adams is not going to leave or stay based on something I tweet. But maybe I have more power than I think. I don't know. You're a very big deal, Chris. Maybe if you tweet, it would be a bigger deal. But for me, I would think that Jamal's not leaving or staying based on what I tweet. So knowing that and knowing how volatile a personality Jamal Adams is to begin with, you had to keep this under wraps. I can tell you for a fact, I know that there is a superstar offensive player on a pretty good team who was not being shopped necessarily, but it was a similar situation. Teams knew that if they called, that team would listen to an offer for that player. Now, that player ended up not getting moved, but the point is no one ever found out about it, and to this day, I've never seen anybody reporting it. So that's what the Jets had to do here, and people are saying, well, what if these leaks came exclusively from Dallas? It seemed to me like there were leaks coming from all over the place here. There might have been some leaks from Jamal's agent. There might have been some leaks from the Jets' side because, like I said, Rich Semini was the first one that was running with this. There were certainly leaks coming from Dallas' side. But if you're the Jets and you know how poorly things have gone and you know that Jamal Adams is the one player that fans are hanging their hat on right now because there are people that are already starting to doubt Sam Darnold after the last couple of weeks, even if you're willing to listen, you have to tell anybody that calls We will listen, but if we hear even one word about this anywhere, this conversation's over and we will deny that we ever spoke to you because of the way that this works. And especially with the way social media works, this was going to be a huge PR disaster if the Jets didn't get something done considering all the information that was leaked out. The Jets had to put a clamp on this and they did a bad job of it. I was talking to my friend Chris Walker, who's also a comms and marketing pro, And that's what he was saying, too. He said, this thing must be closed because there's no way the Jets would let this stuff get out. They would have put a clamp on it. They must be dropping a trial balloon to try and soften the blow for when this happens because they know the fans are going to be upset. That ended up not being the case. It ended up that the deal didn't get done. And then you had this whole situation where now everybody knows about this. And then Jamal Adams goes out on Twitter. And I'm going to read verbatim what he tweeted, Chris. Extremely online. (laughs) Very true. 
And you will see that he is indeed extremely online based on what I'm about to read. If you haven't seen this already, he wrote, Any reports of me asking to be traded from the New York Jets are completely false. Now, that may technically be true, even if what you and I heard is true, Chris, because remember, we said that we heard that his agent may not have necessarily asked for a trade, but said to the Jets he'd be cool with being traded, which really is a way of asking for a trade because you wouldn't even bring that up to a general manager unless you wanted to be traded. He then followed that up with, at the end of the week last week, I sat down with the general manager and coach, Gase, and told them I want to be here in New York. It's kind of weird that he didn't refer to Joe Douglas by his name, but whatever. I was told yesterday by my agent that the GM then went behind my back and shot me around to teams even after I asked him to keep me here. This is crazy business. Now, obviously, Jamal Adams should not have made this public. But again, you know the way that Jamal Adams is, and you also know the way that this fan base is so attached to him. They have got to be more careful about this stuff going forward, especially coming off the Coleccio Semele situation. Now, again, just like with Adams, I don't know that the Jets were in the wrong here. I tend to believe that Joe Douglas probably wasn't actively shopping him and was only listening to offers when people called. But now you have Jamal Adams coming out and calling Joe Douglas a liar, essentially. Coleccio Semele is another one. I don't know if the Jets were in the wrong there, but what I do know is that Coleccio Semele was coming out and calling Joe Douglas and the Jets liars, and the Jets couldn't even refute it because the information that a Semele could provide, the Jets cannot. So now you have, within just days of each other, Coleccio Semele calling the Jets liars, Jamal Adams calling the Jets liars, the fans are already upset, they didn't like the fact that Adams' name was included in the first place, they're angry at the fact that this team is 1-6, and and now you've got two players specifically calling the new general manager a liar and saying that the Jets went behind their backs and did things. This isn't good, Chris, and I know what you're going to say, that this will be forgotten about in a couple of days, and it might be. But this still is not good, and this can't keep happening. They have got to find a way to make sure that this does not happen again. Like I said, the way you handle this is the way that I'm sure the team that I was talking about before that was willing to listen to offers for their superstar player handled it, which is, if I hear even the single word about this, we are done and we will deny it to the media. The Jets didn't handle it that way, and this doesn't look good. Yeah, I mean, I get that it doesn't look good, but that's my thing with it. It it doesn't look good. It also doesn't mean much of anything. The thing that does mean something is Jamal. Jamal's tweet now, after the fact, means something. And it means something because ooh, he's unhappy about it. He or he's either feels like he was done dirty and is unhappy about it, and who knows how he'll feel about that going forward, or that he's been in it uh, whichever way it is. But – uh, you know, I wasn't on Twitter all day because I purposely stayed off before four o'clock because this trade deadline stuff, if just a, a, a possibility of a rumor gets out, people are going to run with it because it's going to get the clicks and engagement and it's going to get the attention during that time. Everyone's starving for it. So they'll jump at everything. But I don't know when, I don't know when Samini put that tweet out and I don't know what time it was. Ryan Clark went on TV and said that Jamal wants to go to Dallas and Ryan Clark, a former LSU safety who has talked to Jamal in the past. I don't know where Ryan Clark got that information from, but um, so I don't know. I don't know that you can blame the jets for getting this out there I, I'm not saying that you can't. I'm not trying to absolve them, but I don't know. The the things adding up here seems like there's a there's semantics on both. Jamal's playing semantics on both ends because he's playing the semantics of uh, I didn't. I think he's playing the, sem- the semantics of I didn't ask to be traded, even though his agent might have kind of sort of basically asked to be traded, but it wasn't him that asked to be traded. So then he's clear. But now he's also playing the flip side and saying, oh, now the, the GM's trying to sell me behind my back. Well, if he was trying to sell you, then I think he would have gotten the deal done. He probably would have just accepted a first and whatever else the Cowboys were willing to offer if he was just trying to sell him. Um, him refusing to do that trade makes me believe Joe Douglas was willing to listen, but you didn't meet his price. 
if, if you're selling, then that then you're probably going to be willing to come down a little bit more. So it, there's a lot of semantics going on here on both sides, and it's. But the problem here isn't to me. The problem here isn't that going forward, it's not that his name got mentioned. First off, again, just like we talked about, Le'Veon Bell isn't going to be bothered by this at all. Go ahead and check out Robbie Anderson's Twitter. Uh, young at Young Amazing, he just tweet, uh, tweeted a uh, a clip of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from uh, Wolf of Wall Street. That big speech about how he's not going anywhere, he's not bleeping <laughs> leaving. He just he just tweeted that out. He is ex- he knows that his name has been talked about for weeks. He sat there and talked to us, and he said he doesn't want to get traded. He hopes he's here. He wants to be part of this rebuild. And now he's celebrating that he didn't get traded. And Jamal is like, oh, now I'm going to be hurt and offended, and I'm going to be extremely online with this. And that's the problem going forward. Now, Jamal has the power to squash that, and I'm not going to blame him for getting in his feelings about this because I don't know how I would feel in this situation either, Jamal. So I'm not knocking him for that. But right now, the problem to me, the only problem here is if Jamal wants to make it a problem going forward. We're going to come to Sunday, and if they lose to the Dolphins, the only talk you're going to hear about this is, Maybe they should have traded Jamal. <laughs> or what do you think we could get for him in the offseason? And if they win, then no one's going to really care about the win, but we're going to move on to talk about something else. The only way this story continues is if Jamal continues it in some type of way. Chris, I don't disagree with most of what you just said, but we both know that especially in today's day and age, perception is reality. And so if Jamal Adams is coming out here and saying that the Jets lied to him, if Kalechio Simile is coming out and saying that the Jets lied to him, and if the Jets didn't do a better job of clamping down on the leaks as far as this trade goes, like I said, they had to approach this much more cautiously. Even if all they were doing was listening, they had to know that A, this is the type of personality Jamal Adams is, and B, how attached the fan base is to him and how this was going to look, especially considering how riled up everybody is to begin with. I also think there's the aspect of this, how this is going to play with the players, because even if Jamal's not being entirely truthful or playing a little bit of a semantic game, he's coming out and saying that the GM lied about what his intentions were. So if Jamal's going around the locker room and he's talking about you can't trust this guy, it's going to be a weird situation. Plus, if you're the players, you're looking at Le'Veon Bell, you're saying, okay, I could see the logic in that. You're looking at Robbie Anderson, okay, he's got one year left on his deal. But Jamal Adams is a different story altogether because remember, he's got two and a half years left on his rookie deal. He's considered the leader of the team. He's considered the best player. And he's 24 years old. So now a lot of the players on this team are going to start wondering if this is like Miami where they're just trying to get rid of everybody. I understand your point that if they were just trying to dump people that they would have just dumped them. But at the same time, the fact that they even got to the point where they were in serious discussions with the Cowboys about trading him, as I said, I'm fine with that. But this is something that never, ever should have been public. The Jets had to be much more forceful about making sure that that didn't happen. And I hope that they learned a lesson from this and that they clamped down because between Assemble and now Jamal Adams, this just doesn't look good. And this is a season where the Jets really don't need more of the LOL Jets stuff. They've got enough of that for the stuff that's going on in the field, for what's going on with Adam Gase, for the fact that Darnold is regressing. They don't need these headaches too. And they certainly don't need the players asking questions about whether or not they can trust management. So this is just a mess. Like I said, I think that Joe Douglas is probably telling the truth. But perception's reality here. They have to know that going forward, and this can't happen again. Yeah, I get everything you just said, and I'm not saying that any of that's wrong. I just don't think any of that actually matters. The only part of it that actually matters is when you're talking about it in relation to the LOL Jets side of that. And even then, that doesn't actually matter. That None of that is going to play into the wins or losses. Right now, this team is not talented enough to rack up a bunch of wins. And if they go in the offseason and they acquire a bunch of talent through free agency in the draft, that will be what turns the team around. If they, if Joe Douglas doesn't do a good job of doing that, that will be what dooms them. 
this isn't going to actually come into play at that point. I just don't believe that is is going to matter in the end. This is all the only it's perception is reality uh, in the public view, but perception is not the reality in the win loss column. Uh, the 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 reality is that this team is not have does not have nearly enough talent to compete right now, and the only way that's going to get fixed is by finding more talent. Um, I just don't think any of this is going to actually matter when it's all said and done. Um, you obviously, uh, whatever the situation is, whoever was right and wrong, or whoever lied or didn't lie, or is spinning or not spinning. Joe Douglas, Adam Gase, and Jamal Adams have some work to do to get on the same page to at least be amenable going forward. But that I, I just I just can't see how this is going to affect the wins and losses. It, it, again, this is this is similar to I mean talking about culture and why I don't buy into culture first because you need to get the wins and then everything else comes from that. Um, the the talent is all that matters here. Obviously, you don't want your star players being unhappy. Um, they they need to squash this. But I I do think again, Jamal. It, we talked about this when they when they were talking about hiring Adam Gase, and I talked about one of my biggest concerns about hiring Adam Gase when I specifically mentioned Jamal not being happy and not getting along with Gase, or if Jamal starts voicing his displeasure about things that Adam Gase will uh, turn on him and want him gone. And Jamal has not been happy, and it's it's hard. You can't blame him at all about being unhappy about losing, but it's the losing that's the problem. If the, if the Jets were winning, then Jamal wouldn't be acting like this. So it's the losing that's the problem. They need to address the the cause instead of the symptom here. This, this is the type of thing here. You need to go ahead and fix the cause instead of the symptom. I hear you for sure, but at the same time, Chris, what I worry about is the long-term damage, not the short-term damage. Because short-term, who cares? This is kind of a lost season. Long-term, if you have a locker room leader who's well-respected like Jamal Adams, and he's going around and he's saying that the general manager lied to him and by proxy the coach lied to him, and now you have guys in the locker room that don't trust anybody, and you have the assimilate thing they're going to think nothing's on the level, and that's something that could really fracture a locker room going forward. I agree with you in the long run. If Joe Douglas is able to bring in more talented players, that's going to tell the tale, but this will make his job harder, certainly. And I think that it's something that didn't need to happen. Like I said, the main takeaway for me here is that the Jets have got to be smarter about this going forward, and they've got to sit down and try and repair this with Jamal because whether we like it or not, he's somebody that's looked up to in that locker room. He's somebody that the players rally around, and he's not the guy that you want going around calling management liars and fracturing trust in the locker room. So hopefully they get everything on track. This is a season that... At this point, we thought it was going to be kind of ho-hum because now they're 1-6. All of a sudden, it took this weird, dramatic turn, and we will see how it plays out. But a lot going on today, but in the end, really nothing happened. Nothing in terms of trades. It's just a lot of drama. Let's hope that it gets swept under the rug. Eventually, like you said, it gets forgotten about. Everything gets patched up. But for now, I have my doubts for the reasons that I said, and I think that while Joe Douglas has a really strong history of player evaluation and recommending the right guys to draft and sign, he may need to learn a little bit more about how to handle the public relations end of things and lean on the comms staff to make sure that he doesn't come out looking like this in public again. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Man, this was an action-packed podcast. Didn't think it was going to be such an eventful day, but it turned out to be much more eventful than we thought. I'm sure you're going to have plenty of information about this up at JetsInsider.com. You and your deputy editor, the president of the Calvin Anderson fan club, Alan Schechter. Yeah, tomorrow I'm going to post something about, uh, you know, I, I already posted something about the Leonard trade, but I'll post something about him and about all the trades that they didn't do, what it means going forward. Obviously have stuff uh, going forward towards Miami. And then we'll have to touch on the reality of, you know, if they lose uh, to Miami, if Darnold continues to, uh, you know, I don't know that it's fair to say Darnold's regress after two weeks. Uh, but if this, 
if these past two weeks keeps up, then we're going to have to be talking about it. And Adam Gase was hired specifically for Darnold to get the most out of him. So if this continues on, then we're going to have to talk about that that seat warming up under him. So I'll have plenty, of, plenty more there to talk about going forward. Uh, there'll be a bunch more content coming up in the next uh, week or two. Go ahead and read Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Follow his deputy editor, Alan Schechter, at Alan underscore S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.